0: It's been a great week this week. It's been busy. I got to spend a few days in New York City. I stayed over in Soho, and I decided I was gonna go ahead and just do a little bit of uh, rock and roll tourist stuff. So I did a little research, and I wandered over into the East Village, and I visited Lead Belly's old apartment. I saw the fire escape where he used to sit out and play his guitar. I wandered over into Greenwich Village and found Bob Dylan's old apartment, and I found the spot where Bob Dylan and Susie Rotolo stood and had the picture taken for the cover of the Free Will and Bob Dylan not to do that, it was a little cheesy but it was fun and I went over and I found the brick wall where the Ramones stood when they had the cover photo taken for their first album and then I found a New York City alleyway where they had their picture taken for the cover of Rocket to Russia I found that street corner that's on the cover of Paul's Boutique, the Beastie Boys album and then I went over and found the little gate and brick wall where Neil Young passed in front of for the cover of After the Gold Rush. Did a lot of stuff like that. There was more. It's just hard to remember all of it, but it was a really good week. I got to do a lot of press for the new record. That record will be released August 19th. I hope you guys pick up a copy. You can get it anywhere. If you listen to this through iTunes, you can get it right there, or you can get it from OtisGibbs.com or your local record store. But if you get it at OtisGibbs.com, we send it from our living room to yours. We'll even put in a little thank you note, as I say at the end of the show. But while I was in Manhattan, I stopped off at the Sirius XM Studios and I got to do a little uh, on-air thing for the Road Dog Trucking Network. Got to talk to a lot of truckers. Maybe some of you guys are listening right now. Stay safe out there if you are. I got to record a couple things for Outlaw Country. They've been really good to me over the years. But as I was walking through the office, I saw coming towards me, it was Senator Bill Bradley, former New York Nick. And uh, I felt the need to walk up to him. He was a really nice guy, really down-to-earth and approachable. And I said, man, I should warn you, I'm a Hoosier, and my follow away stumble shot is unguardable. He said, I'll take that to note. He was a good guy, though. But when I left the Sirius XM Studios, I was right there in the heart of Manhattan, and I went looking for a place. And, uh, I found this street corner. There once stood a place called Hannibal House Hotel. It was a flop house. It was home to itinerants, merchants, seamen, prostitutes, hustlers, and a guy named Woody Guthrie. And Woody Guthrie sat on his bed in that room and wrote, This land is your land, right there in the heart of Manhattan. If you see it today, you can't imagine that Woody Guthrie ever stepped foot there. There were huge high-rise buildings. You know, it's Manhattan, so it's just changed. The Bank of America building is right next to it. I have to say, I couldn't have felt any farther away from Woody Guthrie than I was right then. Hi, friends, this is Otis Gibbs, and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting at Gate D3 at LaGuardia Airport in New York City. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's a creative individual and the person experiencing it, and everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Chuck Mead. Chuck is a singer and a songwriter and a guitar player, and you might know him from his band BR549. You can find out everything you need to know about Chuck at chuckmead.com. We had great response for the first two episodes with Chuck. I decided I would go ahead and do a third one. Chuck has just got so many stories and uh, so many fun things that he's been able to be part of. He's been up and down the road more times than most of us can count. But uh, he's shared a lot of great stories, so I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. I always enjoy spending time with Chuck, and I've learned an awful lot about Nashville and music history around here by sitting and talking with Chuck. So sit back and enjoy. Here's Chuck Mead. oh
1: man buck was you know he couldn't have been nicer to us he he really loved us and he always played our record uh, on his radio stations and uh the first time we met buck we were up for a acm award uh back when we was in the big time you know and they took us out on the floor because we were sitting where the all the nominees were you know on the floor and they took us out and uh the first person that they introduced us to was this old man sitting in the the very front row of the theater. He was just an old man, and the lady that was taking us to our seat said, this is Gene Autry. And we're like, wow. You know, I love the angels, man. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he was like, eh. he was shaking hands, and, and Jay leaned down to him and said, hey, why don't they get you a good seat? And he said, Huh? He was very nice to us, but he was elderly and it was, but it was a real thrill for us. And then we, then we walked a few more steps and there's Roy Clark and Buck Owens. And our band name is BR549. (laughs) And Buck's like, I know who you guys are. I got your fucking record, man. You guys are great. And I said, well, you use it as a coaster in your truck? He goes, no, no, no. I love it. I love that straight steel that he does. And Donnie and and they couldn't have been nicer and more gracious. So we met Buck and he said, you got to come play my place. Because he just built the Crystal Palace in Bakersfield. And so we we're like, yes, of course, we will come to play your place. So we played with Junior Brown there one night and he just loved us and we had our our picture made with him and everything and then we played there a number of times. Uh later on he said, "We got to get you guys on a weekend." And we're like, "Well, Buck, you play on the weekends because that's all right. I'll open up for you." And so Buck Owens would open up. He we would do two shows and he would play in front, you know, so he could go home early. I'm sure, but he spent a lot of time with us and and sat around and he and He's, he saw Bob Wills a bunch of times and, and, and uh, a whole bunch of other people <laughs> that
0: well, how do you follow Buck Owens?
1: I don't know. It was his house, and, and I don't know. He, he thought we could handle it because you know, he thought, he thought we did great. He thought we just rocked, and uh, he always showed up and what a, what a prince of a, of a guy. And one time we were like, we, we heard this story buck and we wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth heard this story about how you were on tour with george jones in the early 60s and he said yeah 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 i know what you're talking about and we want to know if it was true and what it was was you know they they were on tour together and you know buck had this he had the best rock and roll band in country music right and um george was didn't have as many hits as buck at the time and so george was opening the show but at a certain time, George thought that he should close some of these shows, you know. And Buck's like, mm, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and so one night, George goes up on stage to play his show and plays Buck Owens' set before <laughs> Buck Owens comes on just to get back at him. And, and that's what we, we wanted to know if that was true. He goes, yeah, that's, that absolutely happened. And uh, But I'll tell you something that you don't know. And he said, on that same tour, we were traveling around at that time in RVs. Didn't have the big tour buses, but we had some RVs. And we were doing all these fairs. And uh, he said, one day, he was sitting in his RV, and there was a knock at the door. And he went and answered the door, and it was some state troopers. He's like, Mr. Owens, is this your RV? He's like, yes, it is. And he goes, do you have on your RV what Mr. Jones has in his RV? And he's like, I don't know what does Mr. Jones have in his RV. And the state trooper said, A dead girl. Uh. <laughs> and evidently what had happened was there was this chick that showed up and was, you know, doing all the guys in the band in the RV, right? And her husband got wind of it and came in and shot her. And George's quote was, I told you guys to lock that door.
0: Is this public knowledge?
1: I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 I guess it is now, <laughs> but you know, everybody's gone that's involved, so I I feel safe to tell it. <laughs> okay. And there I, I, there was some other story. Somebody was telling me that they got they got the brand new Fender Twins uh, for that Carnegie Hall show, and they hated the new ones so much that they just put them in the dumpster out behind Carnegie hall (laughs) and kept their old fender amps. Like, damn, I wish I could find that 1964 fender twin. (laughs) Probably thing sounds pretty good right now. Yeah, man, we played some shows with George. It was real. That was a real weird time in the span of about six months. We played with, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill a number of times um George Jones and the Black Crows and we kind of got to be friends with all of them I mean they they're all very nice to us and and we did a few shows with George and and we got invited up on stage to sing I don't need your rocking chair with him a couple of nights in a row and it was it was pretty great. It was pretty stellar. The possum looking at you while he's singing. I'm like, holy shit, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And I remember before the show, when we were doing our sound check, the first show that we did with him, all his band members had been down to see us at Roberts. And they were like, hey, we heard you do uh, Burn Your Playhouse Down. Do it. Do that. Do that now. They were like throwing out requests at check. <laughs> so he did, I got an aching in my heart, arson on my mind. I'm going to burn your playhouse down. It's like a real early George Jones song. And so we at least got to do that. I don't know if he heard us do it or not, but he liked us. He said, oh, you boys sound real good. You know. And then we ran across him quite a few times over the years and he was always he always remembered us, and which I was surprised, but
0: yeah, it was great. Was he on top of his game during that tour?
1: Actually, he was. He was singing his ass off, and you know, the very first summer I lived here, uh, he was playing out at Opryland every Thursday or something like that. I don't remember what, it, but he played out at Opryland, <laughs> and you could go <laughs> and see George Jones and the Jones Boys, and. It was like right by the, the the theater that, and I saw Johnny Cash there too. That was a special show. He didn't have like a whole summer like George did, but you know the the train would go by periodically, and no matter what song that they were on, they would start playing Wabash Cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> they would just stop the song and do oh, listen to the jingle, the rum," which was kind of funny. You know, it was just something that they did. But they were real loose, and and man,
0: he was just singing his ass off. Really great. That should be Tennessee State Law. What train your ass off? Train goes by, you got to start playing. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it should be. <laughs> it should be. Well, we knew Peggy and Patsy because they were down playing at Tootsie's at the same time we were at Roberts. They they had a few nights that they played down there, so we got to be friends
0: with them. And that's Loretta's. That's sisters. Loretta's.
1: That's the twins. Twins, okay. Oh, I hope it's not twins again. You know. <laughs> um, and and they're great. I love those. I love those women. They're they're really great. And so we we, but we I didn't meet Loretta until um probably five years ago five or six years ago, I was doing a, a, a radio show in uh, Colorado where you had an audience in the stage and I was doing numbers and Loretta was on the bill too. And at the end we were all supposed to sing, I saw the light. And so Patsy comes up to me and it's like, mama doesn't know the words to this very well. Can you go out and help her with this? You know, when we do the sing, just stand close to her. She, she wants you to, cause she'd seen, you know, she'd seen me play and, so I did, and she hugged up on me, and it was great, and I loved her. And then like two years ago, a year and a half ago, we did a whole run with her out west and in the northwest uh, with Loretta. We opened up a whole bunch of shows for her, and she remembered me, and she's, she was just fantastic. And we had a lot of fun playing that show, and we had a lot of fun with her band because we'd have these little picking parties afterwards because they loved to pick you know, and we'd have, what, wherever we were playing, bring us some more food, and we'd sit backstage and play until it was time to go, Till they kicked us out of the backstage area. <laughs> it was really fun, though. That was a great tour, and I also remember that tour because one of the, you know, we like to stop at, at cool things like the Bigfoot Museum, uh, but we stopped at the Charles Schultz Museum in Santa Rosa, California, which, if you're around that area, you need to go there it's the best vibe and the most it's great they have the you know because the pieces the peanuts comic strips that uh that he drew are like really big they're not you know in the paper they're really small but he drew them really big that's and he gets these incredible lines you know and you walk in and there's like probably a um uh, 50 foot tall mosaic uh tile of Lucy pulling the football back and Charlie Brown up in the air, but when you get closer, it's all made up of peanuts strips. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life, and I'm and I'm a big fan. I I wrote Charles Schultz when I was in grade school because I wanted to. I was I, I asked him permission to use peanuts. So I can I draw peanuts in the, you know, in my little school newspaper, you know, in grade school, and he wrote me back. I have the letter in the front. He wrote me back and he said, you know. Actually, I think it would be better for you if you made up your own characters. And I mean, how do you explain cease and desist to a a fifth grader, you know? (laughs) But he did it really nicely, and I have a nice letter from Charles Schultz. I don't have it framed yet. I should get it framed. I just now found it. My mom found it. So, yeah, it was just us. And, of course, Charles Schultz, you know, because he's originally from St. Paul, he loved watching people ice skate and he loved to ice skate so he built an ice skating rink right next door to where the museum is which is where his office was and they still have his office set up just like it you know with all his jazz records that he used to listen to while he drew and everything but and he would always go over next door to the ice skating rink and have lunch in the cafe and watch people ice skate so of course mark miller goes over and ice skates for for 45 minutes while we're in the, <laughs> in the museum
0: mark can ice skate well, yeah no, he—he's—he's he's a hockey man. Not a lot of us Hoosiers know how to ice skate. I know.
1: How's that happen?
0: <laughs> We're ice fishing. Yeah. <laughs> you remember your first time that you played the Opry?
1: Yeah. Uh, there's video evidence of it. Actually, I think Jay's posted it on Facebook on the BR549 original lineup page i think you can find it on there somewhere um we were introduced by jimmy c newman and we got up and it was it was a little nerve-wracking and most of the staff of roberts were there backstage robert was there wearing a shirt that belonged to shaw because shaw had left it over at uh the mansion on the hill where robert used to live over by the fairgrounds mansion on the hill where he rented out to everybody on lower broadway that worked for him so he got all his money back you see and some we were over there doing a photo shoot of some kind and shaw left a nice fancy western shirt there by accident and robert shows up to the offre wearing shaw's shirt he didn't know where it came from it was but it was funny <laughs> to us but it was great because you had several they all welcomed us you know hey it's good to have you guys on, you know, because they knew kind of what we did, and we were sitting backstage picking, you know, and sometimes when you know we always sit back and pick in the in the dressing room, and sometimes we'd have a crowd gathered around in the in the hallway watching us pick, you know, because that's the spirit of the Opry, and uh, I just remember going out there and coming off stage and hearing Grandpa Jones go, "Sign them up,"
0: <laughs> and I wish they had a i mean anybody that gets to play the opry i'm sure it means a lot to them but it just seems like it would mean so much more to you guys with an understanding of history and and appreciation of what came before you it's a real thrill i'm doing it saturday night i'm on the opry saturday
1: so i still get the call i'm the i'm always the guest i'm a good guest on the opry and i love it i just want to go out there and kick ass every time (laughs)
0: Still haven't got that call yet. I'm hoping to one day uh, get that call.
1: I hope you do too. You maybe deserve I, it.
0: Maybe I should pick up the phone and make that call. Myself. You deserve it. What's your manager doing? You're looking at him. He's sitting <laughs> there interviewing you. That's- <laughs> you need to get.
1: You need to light a fire under that guy's ass. You can't trust that guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate you chatting with me, man. I,
1: I I love it that you want to come over and talk to me, Otis. I'll talk to you any day of the week. You know that.
0: It's beautiful. I really what was looking forward to doing this is you're one of my favorite people to sit around and just you know, listen to stories from. Because I love hearing stories, especially about things that happened around town. No problem. Bug me anytime. <laughs> All right. I'd like to thank everybody for listening in. And I'd like to thank Chuck for inviting me over to his house here in East Nashville. You can find out everything you need to know about Chuck at chuckmead.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books, but anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment, subscribe while you're there, and you'll get a brand new episode free every Wednesday. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.